Hey listeners, drunkenly book a Logic concert and fuck a million ants. Because today we're discussing Season 3, Episode 4, Vindicators 3, The Return of World Ender. What a title. Before we begin, I just want to let you know that there may be spoilers for any episode up to and including this one. So, if you haven't seen all of Rick and Morty, if you're listening to this, why wouldn't you have seen all of Rick and Morty? And with that, let's get started. I'm Joe. I'm Brandon. And I'm Toby. Alright, that's the end of the podcast. Bye! (laughs) the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. What, what the fuck are we talking about? You're the one with the list, asshole. All right, let's start with what were you guys' favorite joke of the episode? Israel. Yeah, the Israel bit was excellent. What's my point? You don't have a point. You just ramble about defense budgets in the UN and then pass out. Yeah, that was excellent. There were a bunch of random things that characters say that were kind of under their breath a little bit that were really funny. Like, Ghost Train Man, when they walk into World Ender's lair, he just says under his breath, son of a steam engine. (laughs) Oh, that's funny and really dumb. Also, Justin Roiland being the automated PA system. Oh, the PA was great. (laughs) This is my first day as a PA system. (laughs) That was pretty funny. And then he just makes the sound lazily with his mouth. By the way, I don't remember the names of all the superheroes, so I'm just gonna say whatever name comes to mind so it was when margarita guy uh star lord it was when star lord um mad max what's his name vance maximus Maximus renegade star soldier when he gets his upper half chopped off and his lower half is just flying around the room on his jet shoes it was so much worse than that though half a body just smearing blood everywhere i like the jokes when i know that they had to cut out other shit just to do it because that was 10 seconds of him just flying (laughs) around i love the way it's described on the wikia page for rick and morty it says vance that attempts to escape only to be shot electrocuted buzzsawed and bisected (laughs) because why kill when you can overkill that's somebody's motto rick is such an industrious motherfucker it's insane all the shit that he did when he's blackout drunk that was another of my favorite jokes well obviously i set up all these traps while i was blackout drunk Obviously, you killed our nemesis and set up a saw scenario while so drunk you don't remember it, and that's obvious to you? Yeah, (laughs) I kind of suspected that the work you guys do in a year can just be knocked out in a couple hours. What do you guys want to talk about first? Vindicators. I want to point out that this adds to the long list of very brief appearances Christian Slater has had on other TV shows. I didn't look up who played who. I assume Christian Slater is Maximilian Macalaba. Correct. He is Vance. Christian Slater is one of the stars of Mr. Robot. He plays said Mr. Robot. And this is after a very long career of brief appearances in TV shows across networks. It's kind of funny that he's just the there for five seconds guy. They don't want to pay him much. (laughs) Walk through the frame once and that's your cameo. He was really good in this episode. I mean, obviously his character is not coming back, but... No, you can survive that. Maybe he's Darth Mauling it. You can survive getting chopped in half and then having the part of you that wasn't incinerated... Being blown up with a laser. Boris the Bullet Dodger survived. Well, I think he died, actually. Because he dodges bullets, Avi. So, Supernova escapes at the end. Is she coming back? I think if she comes back, it'll be very brief. Yeah, pretty sure she's not powerful enough to be any sort of threat to Rick. Maybe she'll get recruited by someone more powerful who doesn't like Rick and try and take him down and Rick is just gonna metaphorically fuck her. I was surprised that they didn't really have more of a degree of finality to her storyline. 
Well, what would you have liked to see? I don't know if there's, like, something specifically I would have liked to have seen. I just am kind of surprised that they left it as open as they did. It's just like, party's happening. She disappears, but there's a party happening, so screw it. I think it makes perfect sense, actually, because it really reflects how little of a shit Rick gives. He's just like, yeah, you were just trying to kill me. I fear nothing, so you escaping does not matter. I agree with Toby, but it was kind of Monty Python, how instead of ending sketches, they just have a policeman show up and arrest everyone. (laughs) But I do agree with Toby that it's reflective of the fact that Rick just people try and kill me every week I get high with half of them yeah I wonder if that's him being arrogant and thinking that he is so indestructible that no one can touch him or if some part of him is waiting for someone to succeed in killing him could be a bit of both I really liked that when they're being choked to death they were still rattling off jokes going back to jokes we like that was a really good bit we're getting some good licks in while choking to death <laughs> now, I like how even Morty it's like the vindicators were his heroes and then he's just like all right yeah go fuck yourself Comet Lady, a million ants calls her Titty Bean, so <laughs> that's what I'm gonna call her. By the way, Titty Bean, that's like calling someone boob clitoris, right? <laughs> That's my new nickname. Who refers to the clitoris as the bean? I completely missed that he called her Titty Bean. At first I thought I misheard it. I thought it was T-I-D-D-Y. But then Million Ant steps forward and emphasizes the T's. He's like, Titty Bean, please stand down or whatever. What was the point of us talking about this right now? Just to clarify that her name is Supernova. I'm going to call her Boob Clit. So Boob Clit got dark. <laughs> she just abandoned being a hero so that she could get petty revenge. And to be fair, it's not super petty because Rick did just murder all of her friends but she valued getting vengeance more than she valued being a hero it all tied back very well to the conversation that morty has with star soldier at the beginning he says being a hero is not that hard all you have to do is know the difference between good and evil and fight for good and morty's saying rick always says that good and evil are arbitrary concepts it ties so well back to that at the very end it does and he also says i think rick needs it to be that way and that's also fairly profound i mean in this case he was just talking about the fact that rick diarrhea all over his conference room, (laughs) but but it is a very good analysis of Rick. (laughs) Toby, I remember after you watched it, you called me and said, when I saw that, I just thought, no way. They're not doing it. They're not doing that. And then... They did it. I just did not expect them to be so gratuitous with a Rick shit himself joke. There was so much diarrhea. That's an insane amount. an entire 50 foot by 50 foot conference room. They kind of did a callback to it at the end where he's talking to Noob Noob and they're like, oh, I just shit myself. Gotta go. (laughs) It's the brilliance of Rick and Morty discussing the deep fundamental questions of good and evil and then like throwing a, oh, I just shit myself joke. One thing I wanted to talk about is how the Vindicators die. Vance talks to Morty. He makes Morty feel like part of the team. He's a really nice guy, the kind of like, I want to be your role model. And then right before he dies, he panics and tells Morty that he's the special kid they pose for photo ops with. That's a really harsh thing to say. So he dies being an asshole. Yeah, he abandons the facade of a hero and reveals himself to just be an asshole who's out for himself. And it's abandoning that facade, which gets him killed. Yeah, and Crocubot does something similar. First of all, I love the concept of Crocubot. That's amazing to me. What'd you do? Fall into a pit of redundancy? <laughs> so Crocubot is supposed to be completely cold and logical because he's both a reptile and a robot. And he also panics. Clitty Bean was like, don't do it. Let's think about this for a second. He's like, no, 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 it has to be this. And then he gets killed. Ah, seems like he was more Croc than Bot. 
He gets killed so violently, too. I don't think it was as violently as Eli Vance or whatever. It was still pretty bad. Actually, I think the worst death was anal rails. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's the ghost train guy, listeners, in case you you don't follow. It's two letters that I switched. (laughs) Well, in that case, audience, if you didn't follow that, you're a fucking idiot. The views of Toby Byrne do not reflect the views of this podcast. I mean, you could be a fucking idiot. I don't know. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying I don't assume you're a fucking idiot. Do you know what sarcasm is, Joseph? No, I've never heard of it. But anyway, about Rick stripping away their facades, Alan Rails dies because he chooses jealousy over the team. He's like, Million Ants, you fucked my wife, so now I'm gonna kill you. Which, okay, fair enough, but it worked counter to the team dynamic. And Starfire, um, Titty Bean, she's supposed to be the leader. She is supposed to be the force for good and she betrays that in order to get revenge on Rick and Morty. Like, Rick, okay, but Morty, he was just unfortunately along for the ride. Morty fucking saved her anyways. Why did she kill Million Ants? I wasn't really clear on that. I just kind of saw the, oh, you have to die too, and I thought, are they pulling some kind of stereotype shit here? It did seem a little weird. My theory on it is just because that was her choosing revenge over love. She's like, well, if you stay alive, you're going to stop me from killing these people. You're being too soft. Yeah, it was a little bit of a lame tactic that the writers used, but I thought it got the point across that the Vindicators just suck. This was Rick's whole point the entire time. They're not especially powerful, they're not especially unique, and they're not especially good. Yeah, right. pretty solid point. Rick armed several neutrino bombs with the capability of wiping out the entire planet slash solar system and booked a party directly above where they were. You have a very good point there. I didn't connect those two. He invited Beth and Summer for fuck's sake. (laughs) He booked Logic to a planet (laughs) where there were several neutrino bombs. I really love when he said, these neutrino bombs, be careful with them because they may be powerful enough to destroy the whole universe. He's like, I'm kind of eyeballing the neutrino bombs here. I also love how he's disarming the neutrino bomb. He's just like, Jesus, Morty, it's a miracle I destroy anything. And also just Morty's like, all right, you guys do three-pointers, I'll disarm the bomb. Morty, how many of the- Too many, Rick! Too many! (laughs) There are so many good jokes in this episode. Excluding episode one, this is my favorite. This episode was excellent. No no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This this was certainly one of their strongest episodes of the series. (laughs) You said Which is weird because if I recall correctly... fucking idiot. I looked on the subreddit and apparently Dan Harmon hated this episode. Really? I don't know why. I didn't get any further clarification. Just according to a Redditor, Dan Harmon said this was the worst episode of the series. That's so interesting. Especially because Rick Mancing the Stone was actually not a good episode. Hmm, I wonder why that is. We should get him on this podcast. We're big enough, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. No. <laughs> hey Harmon, want to waste an hour of your time? That'll be a real treat for all four of our listeners. Yeah. I would gotta say I was really happy that three out of four episodes of this season have been written by brand new writers. Who wrote this one? Sarah Carbiner and Erica Rosby. Do you think it's worth it for me to go through the list of who is a ripoff of who? Worst is we delete it if it's boring, which it probably will be, so... Thanks, Toby. Some characters are more obvious than others, like Star Soldier is clearly a ripoff of Star-Lord and a bit of Captain America. I was thinking more a bit of Iron Man. I can see him being like a patriot, but he's gadgety and stuff, like Iron Man. Yeah, if anything, it's Star-Lord. But there's a bit of Iron Man in there, because he's also like the cool guy. 
You said that with so many layers of resentment. Nah, I want to give the, like, I'm slicking back my hair and inappropriately hitting on a woman. Because that's cool, kids. That's how you be cool. You just harass women. Jesus. So I think it's time to acknowledge that these are direct views of Pancake Pug Productions. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually our mission statement. This is, uh, <laughs> this is what we stand by, and uh, we will die defending this. <laughs> Jesus fucking okay I'm gonna have to cut out the part but uh I hope you're cutting out more than that you fuck ah whatever I don't care you're clearly being sarcastic and if it's not clear audience he's being sarcastic so Crocubot I think is part cyborg from Teen Titans but also I think he's a fairly original character where someone's just like it would be fucking awesome if there was part robot part crocodile. But Cyborg was awesome. But Crocubot was even more awesome. So Supernova's kind of like... Starfire. Starfire and Gamora from Guardians. But Gamora's more like a warrior princess woman. She is, but Starfire was really nice and agreeable. Titty Bean has more of a personality like Gamora, which is strong, but she wouldn't be someone you go to for comfort. But she's a good, strong leader. I really enjoy whenever people who are on Community make appearances on Rick and Morty. Joel McHale played Buckethead. Jillian Jacobs played Supernova. John Oliver played Dr. Xenon Bloom. I'm just waiting for them to bring on Donald Glover. Yeah, I can't wait. I will be so happy if Donald Glover voices a character on this show. I kind of wish they had gotten Childish Gambino instead of Logic. But I think he'll be something better. So Alan Rails is pretty much just John Henry, the railroad guy who raced a digging machine and won. He won and then died, so who really won? That is true. He beat that machine, but then they built another one. It's like, wow, thanks, John. We'll incorporate those changes into the next model. You can die now. Yeah, pretty much. And then Noob Noob is Mr. Poopy Butthole with Down Syndrome. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Rick first or Morty first? I mean, the two are kind of related. What with? Well, yeah, one's the grandfather of the other. Uh... <laughs> you asshole, Brandon. <laughs> that joke was so bad I killed his internet. <laughs> <laughs> My internet just rage quit from your joke. So let's talk about Morty. One thing that I really liked in this episode was that you see Morty really coming into his own. Rick has clearly rubbed off on Morty a lot. Ew. In this episode, Morty adopts the Rick attitude of, oh, I just have to deal with this now. He's not upset about the Saw thing, even. He's not scared. He's just, uh, it's just another bit. I guess I'll disarm this neutrino bomb. I don't think he adopted Rick's attitude. He is the hero in this. He's the guy who stays level-headed, and we gotta get this done. Ignore the petty stuff, guys. Let's get out of this Saw trap. Yeah, it's kind of funny that Morty is the hero of this episode. The rest of the guys fall apart immediately when they're in a scenario that's too dangerous for them. Which, in a really dark way, kind of validates everything that Rick has put Morty through. Because, you know, he's learning life skills in the sense that he gets put in a really dangerous, difficult situation. And because he's been through so much bullshit already, he can just remain calm and say, Okay, I'll just disarm this neutrino bomb. Stand back. I would not say it validates what Rick has put him through in the same way that... I said in a sense. First of all, Rick is the cause of that that situation in the first place second of all if someone bullies you at school or something if he like beats you up every day so you learn martial arts to defend yourself that does not validate the bully's actions that's a bad analogy for this how is usual. that a bad analogy because he's directly learning these skills from rick remember the first episode of the entire series where rick is just like school's done you'll learn everything you need to know in life by going on my adventures yeah but he didn't learn the skills from rick he learned the skills because of rick that's very different it wasn't rick's like here marty i'm gonna show you how to disarm a bomb 
in case I'm... It was just Rick drunkenly passes out all the time, so Morty has to figure out how to deal with them. How is it possible that the Vindicators had not done anything yet to reveal their true natures to Morty? If they'd already gone on an adventure together. Because they didn't have to deal with Rick being the villain. He's worst case scenario. Yeah, I guess. But at the start of this episode, they were such a iconic group of heroes to Morty. And I'm surprised that Morty is somehow both jaded by Rick, but believes in pure heroism still. Rick is clearly a million times more powerful than the Vindicators. I think Morty respects that they use the power that they do have to try and do the right thing. I don't think Rick understands that Morty respects these people, not because they're powerful, but because they're trying to do what's right. I'm sure he understands it. I'm also sure he doesn't give a shit and he thinks it's stupid. He clearly gives a shit because A, he's jealous, and B, he constructs an entire scenario specifically to prove to Morty that these people are just as shitty as everybody else. Oh, by the way, something interesting about the Noob Noob Morty situation. So I was thinking after the episode, why didn't the ride when Morty got on it get triggered because it wasn't Noob Noob? I thought that too. This was not my idea, but somewhere online, someone said that it was because Noob Noob and Morty weigh approximately the same weight. I assumed that too. I thought it was just that Rick was so drunk that he didn't install a detector. I have another theory about that, which is I think that he was so drunk that he forgot who he was making the ride for between when he started making it and when he ended it. (laughs) That would be pretty funny. Yeah, that's also possible. Rick doesn't even remember who the fuck Noob Noob is at the end, which was also a really funny joke. Yeah, that was a good joke. (laughs) But going back to why Morty respects him and why Rick doesn't like them, I think these people are trying to fight for good, but Rick views good and evil as artificial constructs. And as Vance says, Rick needs to view good and evil as artificial constructs because otherwise he would be crushed by the guilt of everything he's ever done in his life. So Vance says that about Rick, but I think the reverse opinion that good and evil are absolute things the Vindicators need that to be true. They need to label themselves as good so that they don't really have to process how shitty they all are. That's a very good point, because they do destroy a planet in order to get to a shapeshifter, and then Rick's like, I could have tracked down the shapeshifter in like five seconds. People who have written themselves off as doing the right thing are capable of doing the worst things possible. And I think that's kind of how the Vindicators operate of, we're doing what we need to do because it's for absolute good, when there is no such thing as absolute good. Yeah. At the end of the day, very few people act in a way where they're like, I'm doing the objectively wrong thing. Most people might not think they're good, but they at least think they're either good or neutral. Yeah, no one wakes up saying, how am I going to commit evil today? Everyone thinks, how am I going to commit some interpreted form of good? It could be good for me, good for a certain group of people, good for the world, and it could just be an interpretation of what is good. Fart, the character from way back when, thought he was committing a good by wanting to destroy all life in the galaxy. I think my favorite quote of the episode is, you managed to destroy just about everything today. The villains, the heroes, the lines between them, my childhood. When you're an asshole, it doesn't matter how right you are. Nobody wants to give you the satisfaction. To which Rick responds, everyone wants people they like to be right. That's why popular people are fucking dumb. So what I take from that is, 
Morty's view on this is he wanted to see these guys as good because he wanted something to believe in. It's nice to believe that there are people out there who just make the world a better place. They'll get more from the jelly bean he represented than the jelly bean he was. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Morty was getting more from the jelly beans the Vindicators represented, and Rick insisted on showing him the box of child pornography that showed the jelly beans as the Vindicators they actually were. That was a roundabout way, but I think our point was very well conveyed. So one question you posed, Brandon, was Rick, superhero versus supervillain? Obviously, he's not a superhero. Well, we kind of touched on this with the question of objective good versus objective evil, and if neither exists, there is no such thing as a superhero, nor is there such a thing as a supervillain. I know there is objectively no good or evil, but subjectively speaking, I would call Rick a supervillain in this case, in that he is acting solely to prove a nihilistic point. He murders people to prove a nihilistic point. Rick's priority ultimately seems to be have fun. Everything he does is either to have fun or to get more science stuff that he can use to build stuff and have fun. That's reminiscent of a much saner version of the Joker. You know, Joker's just he's like, I want chaos. That's the world we live in. And Rick is nihilistic and embraces the idea that we are just dust in the wind. We've talked about this before, the idea that there is an overarching theme to every given show. And for Rick and Morty, it's pretty much what do you do when nothing matters? and you have access to the entire universe, you go have fun. The interesting thing about that is that's sort of what the show is saying, but also that being unlimited is not that, like, Rick is not someone who's constantly having a lot of fun. He has fun, but his life is also horribly dark and depraved. And His catchphrase means, I am in great pain, please help me. Yeah, it's not like he's just a happy dude having a good time. He's pretty troubled. <laughs> I think he tries to have fun to escape the pain. Well, he tries to just do cool things at all times because if you're not here for a purpose, well, you might as well do stuff that you just enjoy in some way or that you think is cool. Also, I've gotten to such a high level in the game Balls that I can no longer die, so I'm so bored with the game that I occasionally shout Wubba Lubba Dub Dub while I'm playing it. I'm in great pain. You know, you can wow. just not play it. You don't have to play it. The company that makes balls also makes at least 10 other iPhone games. Yeah, actually, their other big hit game is called Ovary. Good one. Thank you. I think you were overreaching on that one. Uh, <laughs> I... uh... It sucks on the receiving end, but it is so much fun to make shitty jokes like that. It's, it really is. So Brandon's currently, his housing situation is not settled, but when it is, I'm going to send you all his address so you can go to his house and burn it to the ground. But the moment he lives in, like, uh, I'm pretty sure it's one zero something, right? Just set the entirety of the Hollywood Hills on fire. Yes, set the Hollywood Hills on fire. I don't live there. <laughs> Just set Los Angeles on fire. They're both there. I'm not. Just do it. <laughs> the next episode of The Daily Squatches. This is Toby Byrne with The Daily Squanch. I believe I'm wanted for arson. I'm coming to you live <laughs> from caves in Afghanistan. <laughs> Brandon, how high did your ball score have to get before you didn't have to think about it? Over 600. Ugh. Would you say that he's high as balls? Fuck off. It's so much fun on this end. <laughs> okay. Um, we've talked about Rick, we've talked about Morty, um... Oh, right, what I was gonna say is, I think this is the first episode where Morty is the expert. Rick is the guy who knows everything, but I don't think he knows Blackout Rick. That's, like, one of the very few things he doesn't know, because he's not mentally present for Blackout Rick. This is something that Rick inherently cannot be an expert on, and Morty just has to endure it day in and day out. Yeah, how many neutrino bo- Too many, Rick! 
too many. Can I just say from a physics standpoint, neutrinos are super hard to detect because they don't really interact with normal matter well. There's billions of neutrinos like shooting through your body right now. So it's just, from that perspective, a neutrino bomb is an odd thing. Well, it's discussed in other sci-fi, which makes me think that it has some validity. <laughs> other things that make shit up do it. So my fear, and it's probably not founded, but it could be, can any episode in this season live up to the fucking premiere? Because the premiere was fantastic. And I'm not saying the other episodes weren't really entertaining. They were. But none of them were as good as the premiere, and I'm wondering if the finale will match it. I feel like this past episode was on the level of the premiere. It wasn't as crazy mind-blowing as the premiere episode, but it was still really fucking good, I thought. It had everything I want from Rick and Morty, like super dark jokes and like really interesting commentary on the world. No, it had everything I expect from Rick and Morty too. It's just I would never say it's as good as the premiere. It had all of the elements of a good Rick and Morty episode, I'd say it's as good as whatever the best episode of season two is. You think the premiere episode is better than every episode in season two? Yes. Really? Um, Seriously? I... Better than the car what? battery? Yeah, the car battery episode was insane. That that was like no, maybe was, the best episode was, of the series. I think that's my second favorite, but none of them had the insane level of I don't know, I'm a sucker for sci-fi action shit. Yeah, that episode felt like it was on the largest scale of any of the episodes they've done. I thought it was one of the best episodes they've done, but I don't think it's far and away the best episode. But can you see why I think that? Yeah, no, I can. I can. But if your scale is that the action is on that big of a scale, we probably won't see anything until the finale and maybe not even that. But if you want episodes that are just as good and fun to watch, I thought yesterday's was... No, it was very fun to watch, and I really enjoyed it. I loved that episode. I just would not call it as good as the premiere. Okay. And it's not necessarily action that I'm looking for, so much as... I have to think about it, actually. I would have to examine exactly why I feel that way, but I figure after we're done with this season, we'll do a podcast where we all discuss what our top tens are. Episode 5 promo. Thoughts? Fucking Rick and Jerry adventure! So now we get a sort of explanation for what the fuck Rick is doing with Jerry on a roller coaster. That was an amazing fucking joke. The Morty asked you to take me on an adventure? Yeah, what do you think this was? An execution. Yeesh, you really do need a win. I love that. Like, Rick is such an asshole, Jerry just automatically assumes Rick is about to murder him. <laughs> Next week's episode, we're going to get the roller coaster scene, and we're also probably going to get the thing where Rick has the weird cyborg parts on him, because we discussed in the episode about the uh, trailer, he has that hole in his shirt that's in the same place. Oh, and we're going to settle... Oh, yeah. One of us is going to lose $10. Probably me. Toby says the facehugger thing would be related to this episode, and Brandon says it was just a promo for Alien Covenant. You can Venmo me at... <laughs> Toby, do you think we're both going to be right? Like, he's going to say... It's like it's like that movie Alien Covenant. <laughs> Alien Covenant, Morty. <laughs> Have you seen the promos for that movie? Oh, they're ridiculous. So my main question about the promo is, if Rick is doing this for Morty, what in the hell did Morty promise Rick, or what in the hell does Morty have on Rick that convinced him to spend any amount of time with Jerry while Whatsoever. Maybe he's incepting Jerry to try to get the idea out of his head of ever trying to make it work with Beth again. I don't know if they'd ever go the Inception route, but I could see him trying to manipulate Jerry in that way. That'd be interesting. I imagine Rick wouldn't pass up an opportunity to make Morty happy and simultaneously be able to fuck with Jerry relentlessly. I think he would. 
I'm very certain that this is just going to be Jerry getting fucked with the whole episode. Without a doubt, but my question for you is, if you could relentlessly mess with someone you hate from, like, high school or college or whatever, let's say Brandon, for instance, you know, we would never want to hang out with him, but... (laughs) (laughs) If you could mess with him relentlessly, but you have to spend a day with him, would you? I see what you're saying. I also don't think Rick hates Jerry. I think he's bored to tears of Jerry. I think Jerry is the anti-Rick in that he is happy in his tiny world, utterly useless, pathetic as hell, and it's really funny, but I don't think Rick can stomach Jerry for more than a few hours. He's actively manipulating Beth to get him out, and maybe that's in part just for vengeance because Jerry wanted to turn him into the government, but I also think that there's more there. Gearhead tried to turn him into the government, and he invited Gearhead to the party. Who then proceeded to hit on high schoolers. Oh, he, yeah, that was pretty. Yep. Yep. Thank you for listening. This has been the Daily Squatch, our non-daily Rick and Morty podcast, presented to you by Pancake Pug. If you have questions or theories you'd like to share, if you have suggestions on how we can improve the podcast, or if you'd like to help me come up with a third thing to say here, you can find us on YouTube or Twitter at Pancake Pug, or on our website, pancakepugproductions.com.